0: I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's got to be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of FOX. Light
1: bulb moment. Like, that's a complete game changer. You
0: can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 looks so much different than it did
1: back that long ago. Um, Boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this. It's be stronger, live better longer.
0: Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. The podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. Also, you know, if you're interested in aging gracefully, aging with strength, then you too, I I think will enjoy this podcast. My name is Jim Shear, and I am joined today by Fox Occupational Therapist Alita Borker.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me here, Jim.
0: Happy OT Month.
1: Yes, it's one of the most exciting times of the year for an OT because everyone suddenly... (laughs) celebrates you and thanks you for all the things you've been doing. Uh, and they give you free stuff sometimes. So it's, it's a fun time of year.
0: Are you saying the other months aren't fun?
1: <laughs> They're still fun, but it's extra fun. It's like a party all month. <laughs> so everyone knows
0: that I have no clinical background. Although I'm learning a little bit each week by doing this podcast, I bring in the experts. That's where the clinical excellence comes in. Uh, I'm just wondering, being part of this world now, is there any type of beef between the PTs and the OTs? Mm, or no. just or just I, how the healthcare community views the different disciplines?
1: Well, okay, that, that's a good it,
0: question. It feels, because it feels I, like I'm just digging for trouble right now.
1: <laughs> it does feel like that. <laughs> I do think that um PTs get a lot more patients that want to work with them because everyone knows what PT is. They know, you know, to come, you get to do the exercise. They don't really understand why they should have to go to occupational therapy or how that's even different from physical therapy a lot of the time. Uh, So we kind of get the back burner in that respect, but that's just because not enough people know about us. And that's why I'm here today (laughs) and (laughs) with what I do in AOT PAC. (laughs) Yes.
0: So let's talk about AOT PAC. You okay. are the Maryland ambassador of AOT PAC, mm-hmm. and that stands for American Occupational Therapy Political Action Committee. So how yes. long have you been a member of AOT PAC?
1: For about a year now. I'm m- moving into my second year of my And you're term. already
0: the ambassador?
1: <laughs> so the way this works is it's a volunteer position, and I applied for it and I got accepted to do the two year term for being an ambassador for Maryland.
0: It's only two years?
1: Yes, you can renew. And so I think it would qu- be quite easy for me to just say, hey, I'm still interested in still continuing with this after my two years. Yeah, because you're, I'm you're so good at it. Person. Yes, <laughs> you should do it well, for another term. Yeah, I am the only person for Maryland right now, too. So that's kind of in my benefit. <laughs>
0: But I'm curious, how did you become interested in advocacy work?
1: Okay, so this is take me back, take
0: me back, Alita.
1: (laughs) A little bit of a long story. So, in my first year of practice, I learned about how the other disciplines, and this kind of goes back to your other question. uh, So, uh, that would be behavior therapy, social work, athletic trainers. A lot of these different professions were claiming they could be as holistic as occupational therapists could be, but for a cheaper price. And some of my patients were aware of that, and they were moving away from me <laughs> and going to these other disciplines. And so, around the same time, I was learning that my families were having to really fight for the services they wanted. They had no clue about what they deserved or what their rights were in healthcare. So, because of the way I was seeing all these families impacted, it pushed me to become more involved in advocacy efforts. And so I started to write to members of Congress because that was the first avenue I saw was uh, right. doable for me. <laughs> and then after that, I joined the AOT pack when I felt like that wasn't enough.
0: So when you write a letter to Congress, did you ever <laughs> see it pay off? Because, you know, you always hear that. They're like, hey, if you have a problem, write a letter to your local congressperson. Yeah. So right. you did that. Did it pay yeah. off?
1: I think so. I mean, it, it's, it takes the numbers, right? The more people who write the letters, the more of a voice we have in the community and the more the congressmen will listen. And so that's something that I would like to share with you uh, maybe at some point in this podcast about all the different successes we've had from uh, writing letters let's like do this. It.
0: Let's do it right now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: um, One thing that's really relevant to our practice here at Fox is home health services. So as yes. of November 2nd of this past year, um, occupational therapists can now conduct the initial assessment visit and complete the comprehensive assessment under Medicare. And before this, we had to wait for either a speech therapist or a physical therapist to open a case and refer a patient to us. And so that was really delaying some occupational therapy service care for a lot of our patients. But now we don't have to worry no, about that. No, that's people. awesome. <laughs> Look at yeah, advocacy works. Yeah, you, you proved it, it right there. Mm-hmm. So that was a big one. Um, another big one that we had too was um, with telehealth, and so um, there were some billing codes that were recently added so that OTs could bill for telehealth services on an emergency basis, at least. And the use of telehealth during during the public health emergency has grown exponentially. And all, all, lots yes. of patients would have lost access to services yes. because maybe they, they had a fragile medical condition or a disability where they couldn't travel to a clinic mm-hmm. or something like that. And now it's been a lot easier to connect these people with services to help promote um, even home exercise program carryover. And that's where a lot of people um, kind of get lost sometimes because, yes, you could be telling your patient that maybe has some memory difficulties um, and can't remember the home program. But if you have that caregiver engagement helping with the telehealth um, session, then they're there to really learn how to do it, help out the patient, and it, you really see better outcomes that way. Uh, we still have some work to do now, <laughs> because we are continuing to push for um, Congress to make this sort of situation permanent for those people who really will never be able to do those in-person right. services. Um, so that, that's some work we still have to do.
0: So to me, that sounds great. And to me, it makes sense. However, how do you explain this to someone else? How do you explain this to a policymaker who may not be familiar with the home healthcare model?
1: That is an excellent question. And so it really depends on who you're talking to. You need to get to know your politician. Uh, And if you're new to the game, uh, AOTA has an excellent resource, uh, which I can point you to later on, but they come up with a letter for you. So they've already done their research. They already know what to say. And so they've written up a template. You just have to sign your name at the bottom. So that's one avenue you can take if you don't feel as confident in getting to know the politician and speaking to them yourself. But if you do get to know them, you may find that they're really motivated by storytelling. So if you have an excellent patient story of, hey, I did telehealth with this patient or I was able to do this home modification with that patient. And this is how um, much we were able to prevent them to go back into the hospital or how much stronger they got because of uh, these services that they were now able to have. Powerful stories really help persuade politicians a lot of the time. There are other politicians that really want to hear the research, but that's not as often.
0: Okay, No, because... When I attend a conference or I hear a speech, like I'll I'll zone out at some point. But yeah. whenever someone tells that real life experience, that story, yeah. that's when my ears perk up. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, like this is this is real life.
1: Exactly. So yeah, you bring
0: up a great point. So before you became the Maryland ambassador of AOT Pac, Were you interested in politics at all? Like, say if you have no political background and you're just a passionate OT,
1: can that go a long way? So I had no interest in politics before this. (laughs) And I kind of, I mean, I had a little bit of shame toward that because I felt like, yes, I should be aware of all these different things going on around me. Uh, It's just sometimes, you know, a lot, a lot to take in. But I... After I, I realized what all of um, the impact of not being involved in that was, I, I tried to find the different volunteer opportunities available, uh, like the AOT pack positions that they have opened through uh, AOTA's website. And I just told them how passionate I was. I told them my my personal story that I shared earlier. And that's all it took. I didn't have to have any sort of expertise. And the reason for that is... It matters more that you care about the issue and you'll work hard for the issue than needing to know about the issue because my board director was easily able to just tell me, hey, this is some more information on these issues and the work we've been doing. And I could just get caught up that way because I was so passionate. So you really don't need to do that to get involved in some of these things.
0: No, but you've got the passion on the OT end and that's what carries you. Yeah, exactly. Have you had any lunches yet? With politicians?
1: So COVID's made that extremely difficult to do. So right now we have a couple of designated people within the AOT PAC organization that virtually meets with some team members of congressmen. Before before all of this happened, we were able to actually go and visit these offices in D.C., and have a conversation with team members congressmen wow Uh, how i'm I'm curious
0: how long are these sessions are they like all right you've got five minutes go
1: (laughs) usually (laughs) because they're very they've gotten to the position where um they're at by being very personable they don't usually kick you out (laughs) Too quickly. <laughs> well that's good. Um, that's good. We also really ar- we arranged this ahead of time. So it's known as Hill Day and a lot of universities participate in this. Um not too many practitioners do unfortunately, which is what I want to advocate for too is getting more practitioners involved in this day, but they are aware that this day comes in September every year that we want to go and talk to them. So I think they make time because we've planned for it.
0: <laughs> One last question before we go to break. Students now are starting to think about graduation coming up in May, then starting yeah. to think about their first job, You know whether they want to be a a P-T-O-T-S-L, they know, they know that by now. But um, for a graduating student who might be interested in advocacy work, what are the mm-hmm. first few steps they could take? Like if they came up okay. to you and they needed to pick your brain, what would you tell them?
1: Okay, so I tell everyone, regardless of if they're a newly graduated student, to get involved in their state and national associations. So that could just be joining by being a member, get your membership with AOTA Uh, for Maryland. It would be MOTA. As soon as you open that door, you gain a bunch of connections to this community of different people that might be passionate about the same things. You gain access to their resources and all of their tip sheets and their pre-made letters and everything else. Um, so they've done a lot of the work for you. You just kind of have to make that initial connection with them. And that's been so valuable for me in so many different aspects of my career. So I recommend that as a first start.
0: You just have to speak up. Yeah. As my mom used to say, well, she still does say it, squeaky wheel gets a grease in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so say
0: something, ask questions. The more you ask, the more you'll find out.
1: Yeah, it's definitely true. I'm a talker in my community, so that, but that's helped me. All
0: right, Alita, let's take a quick water break. And uh, right. when we come back, I'm going to ask you some, uh, some questions about earlier in your career. Okay. So stay Sounds tuned. <laughs> as we've been discussing this week and as we discussed last week and as we'll discuss next week, it is Occupational Therapy Month. And Fox Rehabilitation kicked off OT Month by putting out a brand new Fox Talks webinar, The Complete OT Part 4, hosted by Brett Herman. Two presentations were delivered during The Complete OT Part 4. Megan Derrick, former guest on the Live Better Longer podcast, presented on social participation, and Savannah Iville, presented on virtual accessibility. Now, the webinar went live earlier this month. Good news is you can still watch it. If you are interested, go to foxrehab.org, click on the link, Fresh Fox Content, and then click on the link, Webinars. It is that simple. And maybe just... Maybe we have a uh, another exciting announcement at the tail end of occupational therapy month. Stay tuned for that. We are back on Fox Rehabilitations Live Better Longer podcasts. I am joined by Fox occupational therapist Alita Borker, who is also the Maryland ambassador of the AOT pack, which we just talked about. So I talked about PT, OT, possible beefs at the beginning of this podcast. Um, What made you become an OT? You had different options. So why did you choose the OT path?
1: So I think at a young age, I discovered that I really wanted to be part of helping people feel better, function better. I just didn't really know what that was going to result in. I think I was playing around with teacher for a while, but then when I got to university, you know, you have to decide what you're going to do when you get to university. And so I chose psychiatrist because I thought, okay, I really think that mental health endeavors can improve people's um, inner peace and that would increase the peace around the world whatever whatever. But then I discovered how medical model based that is and I didn't think that I would really be able to help someone in their entirety by taking that route. And then I was a little stuck because I didn't really know what my other options were until I hit my my fourth year of university, like almost at the end. One of my professors pointed out that occupational therapy was a career. And so I looked into that and I thought, oh, this is perfect. I get to work on the physical aspects with someone, the mental aspects, the social aspects, And I get to be really creative too, because my whole life I've been interested in arts and crafts and all sorts of creative endeavors. So I thought it was going to be a really nice match for me.
0: And did you love it as soon as you started doing it?
1: (laughs) It's really fun. (laughs) I I enjoy, every day I enjoy my job. It doesn't really matter um, where I am doing it. Just the job itself helps me uh, get up every day.
0: And then finally, Alita... How will you celebrate OT month? I think you should do something special. <laughs> That's just me.
1: What I planned for this year, and this is what I did last year, was just being um, seeing if I could run some other sort of fundraising event or something related to the advocacy efforts I'm already doing. Uh, usually we work together as a team to come up with what we'll do for that month, to uh, educate people a little bit more, than we normally do. So I'll, I'll see what options are available for that, but that's what I typically go for.
0: That's why you are awesome. You're not like, I'm <laughs> gonna take a couple days off. I'm gonna bake myself a cake. You're like, I'm gonna do more work. That's how I'm gonna celebrate <laughs> OT month.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am a bit of a workaholic. <laughs> you should, but you should. Take
0: a day or two and celebrate yourself. Celebrate the yeah. profession. That's, that's a good
1: point. That'll be your I'll homework assignment. That yeah, that's more. your homework I a, assignment. <laughs> I, that's a good homework assignment for me. I'm not very good at that one. So that's a great one.
0: <laughs> well, Alita, thank you for joining me on the podcast. You'll have to come back.
1: Thank you. Yes, I, I would be happy to come back.
0: Happy OT month. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. I know you love doing work, but you know during a weekend, like a Saturday or Sunday, just take a little time for you.
1: Great plan. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That's a
0: little self-help tip to end this podcast. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> so for Alita Borker, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later.